Good, good. Well, um, thank you guys for letting me take a break. Last week, we, uh, we were in Italy for 10 days. Um, when our kids turn 10 years old, we take them on a trip with just my wife and I. Uh, before they turn into teen- teenage monsters, you know, we want to connect with them for a little bit of time. And, um, and so we pick a place around the world where we think it will fit their personality. And uh, so we spent 10 days in Italy with our daughter Tatum. And um, it's really just a time for us to, to connect. And we have four kids, so they don't get one-on-one time very much. And so this is an extended period of time where they just get to spend time with us. We get to pour into our kids. But I'll tell you, <clears throat> 10 days anywhere across the world is tiring. Um, and even if you're in Italy and all of these things, it's a great tremendous place, but we got back uh, Friday night at 10.45 p.m., and um, I had to preach last night, and so have you ever felt like, I, this is how I felt coming back home, but maybe you can feel this way too, you just kind of feel like you have nothing left to give? You ever feel that way, like whether it's finances or time or talent or, or just your, your energy, like you, you just feel like I've got nothing left to give, like I am spent, and so I don't know how we made it from Miami. We landed in Miami um, at, I think it was like 7.30 p.m. And so then we had to get in the car and drive here. Uh, and so somehow the Lord made my hands work, and uh, I just put it on cruise control, and we made it here. But we got here at 10.45, and I went to bed immediately. Um, and the next morning, uh, Jude the Dude, our youngest guy, had a soccer game. And he had a soccer game. We got to be at practice at like 8.45. And, you know, you got to be there. And, and I thought to myself as I was laying in bed, you know, I don't have a lot left to give. Kelsey and Tatum slept the whole car ride home. And I could call in. You know, I, I have the built-in excuse this weekend, right? Like, I'm tired. I didn't get a lot of sleep. We, we traveled literally on Friday for 22 hours. We left at midnight our time, and I got back at 10.45 our time. Like, it was a whole day worth of traveling. And I thought, you know, I have every excuse in the world not to jump in here. Like, I can tell Jude, and I can tell others, like, hey, I'm tired. And it's legit. I was tired. And, and, and I felt like I just I have nothing left. And, and so I started to make this, this, like, reasoning in my head that there is a way for me to pull back to not engage with my family because, well, I had just spent time with part of my family, right? I just spent 10 days going somewhere. Like, I, I got the Dad of the Year award, right? And I had every excuse to not go. But at 7 a.m., I woke up. My son hadn't really seen me in 10 days because I got home when he was asleep. And I thought, as soon as my eyes opened, I have to go. Even though I don't have a lot to give, even though I don't have enough, even though I just have a little bit of energy left, I need to give it today. I need to give that energy today. And you know, it was incredible because he played incredibly well. He scored this incredible goal. He, he just did so well. And, you know, every time he did something really good after he did it, he would look over and look to me and mom. And I thought, man, what if I missed this moment because I just thought I didn't have enough to give? Like, I, I would have missed out on that connection with my son because I had a valid excuse, right? Everyone in here would probably be understanding. But I would have missed out on so much more. And so I just gave the little bit that I had, and God blessed me beyond measure because I was more blessed than Jude was blessed, let me tell you. And so 
Today, we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to be in a story called The Feeding of the 5,000. And in The Feeding of the 5,000, it's the only miracle that happens in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all talk about The Feeding of the 5,000. Now, the reason it's called the feeding of the 5,000, because it says that 5,000 men ate that day, but there's women and children there too. So many scholars estimate there's about 15,000 people at this moment. And when we get into the story, we, we find ourselves where the disciples are extremely tired. Let me catch up. We're going to be in the gospel of Mark. And right before this story, we find out that Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist, has just been executed. He's been beheaded. I don't know about you, but like when I found out news like that, not only that my family member died, but it was a precursor to what was going to happen to me. I, I think it would be a day that I want to take off. Right? And the disciples, not only that, Jesus has done this amazing thing. The disciples have just returned from going out into all of the world two by two and proclaiming the good news. And proclaiming what God was going to do. But maybe you feel like this because you have need in your life or you're tired or you feel like you don't have a lot to give anymore. You can identify with the words of David in Psalm 77. And this is where we're going to set the pace today about maybe where you are in your life. Psalm 77 verse 1, it says this, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. This is David saying, look, I cried out for help. I, I just cried out that you would even just hear me. Like I was, I am so done and tired that I don't have enough. I, I just need you to hear what's going on in my life. I don't have a lot left to give. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God. And I groaned, I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. Anyone ever been there? You're so tired, you don't have enough to give. So because you feel like you don't have enough to give, you're the 3 a.m. wake-up person. And the only amount of energy that you have left to give is your worry, which then drains you more and more and takes more and more from you. And so that when you get to whatever it is you're so stressed out about, you have nothing left for the situation. This is David. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he, has he in anger withheld his compassion? This is David saying like, man, I don't feel like I have anything left to give. I'd have nothing. And maybe that's you today, like, because when we get to the feeding of the 5,000, the moment before the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus and the disciples, for so many of us, would use the excuse, I have nothing left to give. I've got nothing. And for a lot of us, when we feel this way, we begin to use the excuse, like I wanted to with the soccer game, is that I have a built-in need to, to withdraw. Right? And, and you may not be big, but maybe it's like in, in marriage, it's like when you go to bed and your wife wants to talk or your husband wants to talk. You just got nothing left to give, right? Or they want intimacy. I got nothing left to give. Or you guys at dinner table and with all of your kids going on and they're screaming and you've had a hard day at work. You got nothing left to give. You're just a zombie at dinner, right? 
But here's the reality. God doesn't build in excuses for you and I. He just asks you to give what you have. Even if it's little. Even if it's nothing. Even if it seems so insignificant in our lives that you feel like I don't have enough to help these big situations. Jesus is going to look at us in the story and say, look, I'm not asking you to give everything. I'm just asking you to give what you have. And let me do what only I can do to help you. But here's the reality. A lot of us feel like when God is calling us to do something really incredible or God is calling us to partner with him or our families need help or all of these things, this, this thought creeps into our mind. I ha- but I have so much need. I- I'm so tired. I-, I-, I need all of these things. And we start to feel like, like man, <laughs> I-, 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 I have needs too. And so what am I supposed to do here? Because I feel like I have nothing left to give, and then I have needs, and you're going to ask me to do something. And that's exactly what's going to happen in the story. But here's the first thing that we need to know. Jesus knows your needs right now. God knows exactly what you're going through, and he knows the needs that you have right now in your life. Listen to what Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 31 says. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place to get some rest. Let me give you a a little bit of a snippet of the kind of mission that the disciples were on because Jesus talks about it before they leave in Matthew 10. Listen to these words in Matthew 10. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Sounds super encouraging. Right? That sounds like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be a sheep among wolves. Okay, cool. What else is it going to be like? Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. Great. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them, to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, not if they arrest you, when they arrest you, do not worry about what you will say or how to say it. Don't worry. You might not have a lot to give, but I'm going to give you everything that you need. At the time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. Man, this I can't wait to go. (laughs) But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. There's a promise. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Sounds tiring. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. This is the mission that the disciples, that's what they're talking to Jesus about when they get back. Let me tell you about everything we taught and everything that we did. But by the way, that flogging part, by the way, that arresting part, by the way, that tiresome part, by the way, that that issue part. Yeah, you weren't lying. And honestly, Jesus, we're so busy coming back, and there's so many people here right now, we haven't even had time to eat yet. I mean, I know you all. You all get hangry. I know, you know what I mean? You miss one meal, and you're like, you can't do anything. Right? You're like, oh, okay, I got missed meal cramps. I can't do anything. The disciples have just been through the hardest journey that they've ever been through. They get back. There's a ton of people who have need, and there's so much need and so much going on that they don't even have time to eat. And so Jesus knows this. 
And so what does he say to them? I know your need. Let's go away to a quiet place together so that you may rest. I see you, and I know exactly what's going on. But sometimes the rest that you need and the things that you need in life are not just to sit still and do nothing. Case in point, COVID. Did anyone feel really rested after not doing anything for a month or two months or three months or six years or whatever it was? We talked to some people. We were in a city, and um, everywhere we went, people were like, oh, where are you from? You know, uh, you don't sound Italian. I know I'm American. Where are you from? Florida. Florida? Oh, man, how was that? How was COVID? Uh, it was COVID. What do you mean? You guys didn't lock down. We, well, we did a little bit. Yes, we did. But they're like, not like we did in Toronto. We locked down six times. And I was like, well, you must be rested, right? No, it was miserable because we're not built to do nothing. We're built for good works. We're built to be part of what God is doing in this world. And so let me just ask you, just right now, like, no, no shame here. I understand. But what right now makes it feel like you can't serve and walk with God in this world right now? Is it like, I, I don't feel like I have enough time. I don't have enough money. My health, I don't have enough health. My family, my relationships, like there is something that we have this misconception in the family of God that the only way that God gives you new energy is when you do nothing. But I am here to tell you something different, that God pours into your life as you're pouring out to others. And so when we get to this first clip in The Chosen, we are on the beginning part of the feeding of the 5,000. And the disciples are tired, and they haven't eaten yet, and they haven't done all of these things. And yet all of these people are going to come forward, as we are going to see. And Jesus is going to go, hey, I know you have need, but I have a better rest for you than doing nothing. I have a work for you to do, and I'm just asking you to bring what you have, and I'll take care of the rest. And we're going to see what God does for the disciples in this story. Check out this very first clip. Mark 6, verse 32, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all of the towns and got there ahead of them. Sounds like desperation, doesn't it? That the people saw the disciples leaving, so we have desperate disciples. We have Jesus who has now had his family member beheaded. And now you have people that are so desperate to get to Jesus that when they see him begin to leave, they run on foot ahead of him to get to where he's going to be. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. See, here's the deal. Jesus knew that the disciples were tired. Jesus knew that he was tired. Jesus knew all that they had gone through, but he also knew the desperation of the people coming to see them. He knew that they didn't have much left to give. He knew that they didn't have a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of talent. They ran literally across a rocky shore, across a lake, probably a couple miles to beat Jesus to the other side just so that they, that they could see him for one minute. And so 15,000 people show up. 15,000 people show up. I am speaking to 200 and something people and I'm with a microphone. Jesus is speaking to 15,000 people outside without one. And so what does he do in that clip? He calls the disciples and says, hey, 
people need to hear this. I know that you just sat down. I know that you're tired. But I need you to just get up, and I need you to be my mouthpiece. I don't need you to create a message. I don't need you to make something up. I don't need you to create a trendy title. I just need you to speak the words that I give you. Because here's the reality. You may not feel like you have a lot to give, but sometimes all that God wants is our effort. It's just our effort. And effort can be prayer. And effort can be just talking to the person next to you. And effort can be just, just coming and going to church and participating with people or going to that group or doing all of those things. You may not have a lot left to give, but we have our effort. And that's what Jesus asked of the disciples in this scenario. I just need your effort. I'm not going to ask for anything else. I'm not going to ask for you to, to make this up, to do all of these things. I just need your effort. Because here's the reality of the situation. We know from this story that God sees the desperate. Are you desperate in this room? Maybe that's why you feel like you don't have enough. You're desperate for an answer to that prayer. You're desperate to get out of that debt. You're desperate for your relationships to get better. You're desperate. You're you're desperate about your health. You're desperate about all of these things. And the reality is, is desperation in our lives can lead us to something so beautiful because the people who wanted to see Jesus were so desperate, they left everything to just get a moment with him. Let me ask you in this room, are you so desperate now that you're ready to get to Jesus? See, because here's the reality of what's going on in this story. There are physical needs, right? The disciples are hungry. They're tired. They just got back from this big journey. They have every excuse not to go, right? Come on, Jesus. We just spent months out here. You know what it was like. You told us in Matthew 10 what it was like. It was awful, bro. I mean, there were some cool things, but there were a lot of not cool things. We're just tired. We haven't even eaten yet today. Look, man, I see all the people, but could we just get a break, please? I just need your effort. I'll provide everything else. And so the disciples have physical need, but the people who are coming also had spiritual need. And what happens for so many times when we look into the scriptures, God is all about meeting the spiritual need before he's about meeting the physical need. Because it's those physical needs that lead us to our desperation spiritually. Are you at the end of your rope yet? Are you so desperate for God Physically, that you're now allowing yourself spiritually to enter into what God will do in your life. That's what the text is indicating of the people here. They were so desperate that they ran. They left all of their physical need just to get their spiritual need met. And maybe for you in this room, when you feel like you have nothing left to give, then maybe you have everything to offer. Because there's a difference between giving, because we give out of our strength, we offer out of our weakness, don't we? Maybe that's why some of us have gotten confused about tithing and serving. We think it's about giving to God when it's really an offering. We give out of our need. We give out of our lack of time. We give out of these things because it's a sacrifice. It's an offering, not just a tithe. Right? We make our effort. We do what we can. But are you desperate enough yet to get to Jesus? Because let me just tell you something. Jesus sees desperate people. And so if you're in this room and you're desperate, this message may just be for you today. And if you're not desperate enough in this room yet, then this message is for you today. (laughs) That maybe the answer to your physical need and the physical problems and all of the things that you have that has kept you on the sideline of life, 
God is just allowing that to do its work in you so that you get desperate enough for him. That you're ready to receive. Has anyone ever been in here and you can't, you can't accept a gift from somebody until you're so desperate that you need a gift from somebody? It works that way with God too, guys. You know, you're like, you're fine. Someone like offers to pay your meal. Someone offers to do something for you. And you're, I'm good. I'm fine. I got it. And then you rob the person of the, the joy of giving. I'm good. But then when you're really desperate, you're like, oh, thanks. Aha. Uh-huh. I can't pay you that. And you eat their food, right? Why? Because you're desperate. Hungry people eat. Are you ready? Is God allowing this desperation in your moment of life to lead you to a place where he's saying this? Like, I know you're desperate, but you still got to be in the game. Because the way that I heal you, the way that I do things in your life, is not by you doing nothing. It's about seeing what I can do when you have nothing. And that will feed your soul. And that will get you to where you need to be in life. And so... We get to this point where it's been hours and days and time and everybody's hangry. And how many of you know you can't listen in church when you got like the grumbles going on? Right? You, I know you all. You're like, it's okay. It's time for lunch. Let's go. That's what's going on in this next scene. But this kid shows up and brings what he has. It's incredible. Check out this next clip. Late in the day, so the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. Huh? There's 15,000 people here, bro. We're nine miles away from the nearest town, and everybody's here. That's a lot of bread. What are we going to do? They said, and they thought in terms like we do, uh, we don't have enough. That would take more than half a year's wages, 200 denarii. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. This is a small boy's lunch. Right? This is nothing compared to the need. I don't have a lot. We don't have enough to give significantly enough to make an impact here. So why don't we let this boy eat? Or how about better yet, why don't we eat? I know they're hungry, but we're hungrier. Do you notice what Peter said? You look nervous. What are you nervous about? I'm afraid he'll choose them. You feel like that right now? You don't have enough and you're just afraid that God's going to call you to do something where he chooses them and he doesn't choose you? What if, like, in the process of choosing them, you get blessed too? What if God does something different than you could expect because God can do so much with so little? Because here's what God's asking us to do. Bring what you have, even if it's not enough. Bring what you have, even if it's not enough. God's not asking you to bring enough. He's just asking you to bring what you have. That's it. And you go, well, a lot of us go, but it's not enough to make an impact here. And so why don't I, I'll just hold on to it. And God's like, no, I'm asking you to give so that I can do something with the little that you have. 
See, some of us aren't seeing the miracle in our life. We're not seeing the blessing of God in our life. We're not seeing what God can do in our life because we're holding on to the little that we have instead of giving it to him and allowing him to do more. Oh, man, but I have need, and I'm hungry, and I'm tired, and I need sleep, and that vacation was great, but, man, I'm tired, and my son, he'll be okay. He'll never remember that I wasn't there, and, man, you know, I have every excuse. I just have so little to give. I'm asking you to give what you got, not anymore. See, because this kid had dollar menu kind of money. That's what he had. He had dollar menu. Now, you guys know the dollar menu is a lie. It's like the dollar store. Ain't nothing a dollar in the dollar store, and the dollar menu is more like the 350 menu, okay? It just doesn't ring. But I looked up what it would cost to feed somebody a McDouble, a small fry, not a medium, a small, and a small drink. The dollar menu is a lie because it costs $7.43, okay? But in today's world, that's cheap, right? That's like Sam's Club kind of money, right? And so what happens is, is this kid's got a $7.43 worth of stuff to feed 15,000 people. You know what it costs to feed 15,000 people at $7.43? $111,000. And there's some change. There's 450 more bucks, but let's just say 111. And this kid's got $7.43. Maybe that's how you feel in this room. You got dollar menu kind of money in this room. You got dollar menu kind of time in this room. You got dollar menu kind of effort in this room. You got dollar menu kind of energy in this room. You got dollar menu. Your dollar menu. Great. That's all Jesus needs. He doesn't even need your dollar menu, but he wants to use the dollar menu to bless you in the process. He's asking you to bring what you have even if it's not enough. To your family, he's asking you to bring what you have, even if it's not enough. To your relationship with your spouse or your kids, he's asking you to bring what you have, even if it's not enough. To your finances, he's asking you to bring what you have, even if it's not enough. To your church, he's asking you to bring what you have, even if it's not enough. Because we serve the God who doesn't just feed one kid off the dollar menu, he feeds 15,000. But the kid had to let go of what he had in order to allow God to do more than what he could. What kind of dollar menu you got right now? You feel like it's not enough, so you just hold it back? Like what is $7.43 going to do to $111,000? It's nothing. Well, good thing that God created the entire universe out of nothing. And he spoke everything into existence by his sheer breath. And you were made informed by his sheer will. We serve a God who can do a whole lot with a little. So do you need to bring your dollar menu? We're going to make a shirt. All I got is dollar menu. <laughs> Good. Then get ready to see a miracle. Get ready to see God do more. Get ready to see what when we sacrificially offer what God can do, not just in the lives of others, but in the lives of us. So as we get into this next and final clip, we're going to see God do a whole lot with a little. And we're going to see the disciples whose faith needs to be built as well go, man, I, I don't have a whole lot, 
there's not enough here, but man, you said yes, so let's give and let's see what happens. Let's check out this next clip. Mark chapter 6, verse 39, then Jesus directed them to have all of the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. Verse 43, and the disciples picked up 12. Everyone say 12. How many disciples are there who hadn't eaten yet? And what did they pick up? They picked up five basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. And so while the disciples fed the people, God fed the disciples. And look, like this is the, where the prosperity gospel gets it wrong. Here's the deal. God does want you to prosper 100%. But the kid didn't give the five loaves and two fish and get 15,000 baskets worth of stuff. The blessing was he got to see 15,000 people eat because of what he gave. And man, I'm, I'm sorry, but like you can have all the money in the world and all the problems in the world. Money's not going to solve your problems, but having the faith to see what God did with what you offered, will you believe again for your problems now? That kid's life has changed forever, not because God gave him a bunch of stuff. It's because he got to see what God did with his little dollar menu stuff. Because not only does God see the needs of the desperate, we serve a God who meets the needs of the desperate. And you notice what Jesus said in that? I've been feeding you spiritual food. I've been solving your spiritual problem first. Now let's get to the physical. Now let's get to the place where you eat. Now let's get to the place where you feed the body because the soul is full. And maybe some of us in this room are like, why hasn't God met my physical need yet? Because he wants to meet your spiritual one first. Because what good is it if our bodies prosper but our souls do not? Because this life is but a whisper compared to eternity. And so God wants to get you to eternity before he gets you to tomorrow. And do you need to have faith to believe that that is exactly what God is going to do? See, Jesus met the needs of the people spiritually and then physically. No one ran to Jesus because he put up a fish and bread stand. People didn't run around the lake to meet Jesus because he started a food cart. They ran to him because their souls were hungry. And he fed them. And along the way, he fed their bodies too. And some of us in this room are so and I get it, I get it, okay? This isn't a, an act of judgment. This is an act of confession. We're holding on to our dollar menu kind of stuff, trying to do everything we can with it. And we can't give and we can't offer and we can't give our time because we're so busy building our kingdom and not his. But what if the reality is, is God builds something for us while we build his kingdom? What's your priority? I don't see God's provision. I don't see all of these things because God is not here to build your kingdom. He's here to build his so that 15,000 people might come to know the Lord because of what you offered, not because you built a cool house or drive a nice car or have the best food or because your bank account is so big that you could buy the building for us. That's great. Great. But he's not concerned about the structure. He's concerned about the people. 
Because what good is it if your soul does not prosper, but your body does? But here's the reality that I want all of us to see, because a lot of us feel like I got, I got nothing left to give. I got dollar menu. In every part of my life, I got dollar menu. I've got nothing, so I'm, I'm going to step out. And God's asking you to step in because God provides for us while we help others. Did you notice that? The disciples could have said, like, Gee, can we eat first? Like, you, I mean, in Mark chapter 6 earlier, like, it just says we haven't eaten yet. We're so tired. Don't you know what we've done? Don't you know what, all that we've been through? Don't you know how hard this was? Can we eat? I'm afraid you're going to choose them over me. And Jesus is like, you, it's a false dichotomy. I'm choosing you all. And I'm asking you to bring what you got. And you get dollar menu. Good. I do a lot with dollar menu. Good. Because I'm going to feed your soul and not just feed your body in the process. Because let me just tell you something. The disciples are going to need the kind of faith to believe that not just God can feed 15,000 people. They're going to need to believe that dead men can come back to life. And they're going to believe that that dead man who came back to life can rescue their life and their soul. And when they confess and believe in him, they will be saved. Not just fed. That's where the prosperity gospel gets it all wrong. Oh, God just wants to feed you here. Wrong. God wants to get you there and he'll feed you here. Stop trying to make this earth heaven. It's not. And it never will be. And maybe some of the hunger that we have is for heaven. And that's good for us. Because we need it. And so let me, let me think about this. The disciples, could you imagine picking up that basket? First of all, if I was breaking that bread, it'd be like dust. It'd be like, here's a crumb. <laughs> Ten people, come up. <laughs> Grab your crumb. Okay? Who wants some fish? Don't hold it too long. It is going to disappear. Don't breathe when I hand you this fish because it will blow away. Right? I'd be like littlest pieces. Okay. I'd be like so hungry. Just, okay, let me just have the crumbs. Could you imagine the moment they picked up the basket and it was full? Not because of what they gave. They're giving their effort because of what a kid gave. Because of what a kid gave. And then they feed everyone and everyone's so full, there's leftovers. And there's a basket for every single one of them. They didn't just get a meal the disciples got a basket. But notice the excitement isn't about, I got a basket. The excitement is we were just part of what God did with just my effort. All I did was pass out food. I didn't do anything else. I just gave my effort and God multiplied it. And so what is God calling you to do right now in your life? What is God calling you? What dollar menu item are you called to give right now? I'm not going to pass the bucket. Don't worry. Because we don't need to. Honestly, we don't. If God wants to get us a building, he'll get us a building. He will call you to be part of it. We're not going to leverage this moment. What we're going to do is say, what is God calling you to do in his kingdom to give your dollar menu item? And what miracles do you need to see for your faith? But you got to let it go. Did you notice what Andrew said? I don't know what's changed. I'll tell you exactly what changed. The kid let go and let God. That's what changed. That's the only thing that changed. It was the same amount of stuff. Nothing else had changed except the kid gave what he had, his dollar menu. Instead of holding on, he gave it up, and God did something. 
And you're going to ask, well, what's going to change? I only got a buck. I only got a dollar. I only got 50 cents. I only got 10 cents. All I got is my time. All I got is this little bit. I can give one hour every six weeks. That's all I got. Give it. You think, well, I need it for me. What if you need to let it go for you? What if you're not seeing all this stuff in life? Because what if the kid never gives? What if he just goes with his little grubby hands and he eats in a corner? Everyone gets it. You're a growing boy. I understand it. It's not enough. You could have held on to it. But I just wanted to give what I could. (laughs) What's your dollar menu? And it needs to be sacrificial. I understand that. We don't like that. We like to give out of the abundance. That's what God does. Sometimes God asks us to give out of the lack of abundance. And it's not so that you get 15,000 baskets full of stuff. It's so that you can know that God did something to reach 15,000 people. As we get ready to end, do you need to believe that as, as you give sacrificially, as you offer, your life, your time, your talent, your treasure, your, whatever it is that you're called to offer, and to stop consuming in this church and in God's kingdom, and start participating in God's kingdom. And I know I'm, I'm getting all up in your drawer right now. I know I'm, I'm up in your kitchen. I know it. I looked inside the fridge, and you don't like it. Sorry. You're not mad at me. You're mad at the Holy Spirit. You're arguing with his word, not my word. What do you call what dollar menu item you need to give up today? Because David, the the end of Psalm 77 is not this moment of anguish. It's a moment of faith where he remembers that when he gave, sacrificially, God blessed abundantly. Psalm 77, verse 10, then I thought, to this I will appeal the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all of your works and meditate on all of your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God. Here, let me give that modern day. What sex is better than our God? What money is better than our God? What house, what car, what other gods are you serving right now that is better than Yahweh? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph's. Then he gets into like how big this is. The waters saw you, God, and the waters saw you and they writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked at you. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You did something. And so I don't have enough to give, but I'm going to give what I got. And I know that in the worldly terms, it doesn't make a difference. But in eternity, it might. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. David, at the beginning of this, goes, are you done with me? I don't have anything left to give. Are you over this? And then he goes, but I've remembered all that you've done. 
that you today need to remember all that God has done. And maybe you don't have that miracle in your life yet because you haven't offered yet. But the reality is, is there's, this book is full of them. What is God calling you to do? Because let me just tell you something. Some of us are afraid to take that next step of faith out to give that dollar menu kind of thing because we have bad theology, because we think that God has too little and that he's not enough. David says, you're so enough and you have so much that the very depths of the earth convulsed. You're more than enough. And that's the reality here today. God is never too tired or has too little. Notice the disciples are like, man, I'm tired. Jesus is like, yeah. But Jesus steps out and goes, I just need you to be a mouthpiece. I'm going to do all the work because I'm never tired of meeting and reaching the desperate. I'm never too too tired. I never have too little because I can do a lot with a little. So the end of the message today, the miracle, if we just see it for feeding 5,000 people or 15,000 people, that's cool. But the fact is, is not only did he feed 15,000 people, he fed the 12 disciples as they worked and as they walked with God and they gave what they had, their effort. Is that a kind of miracle that you need to see in your life? Andrew at the end, or no, James says at the end, he says, I'm, I'm really not surprised anymore. That's a foreign statement for so many of us in this room, me included. Let me ask you a better question. Do you need to be surprised in this room? And do you just need to step out in faith and give what you got? And for some of you in this room, God's not calling you to give money. God's not calling you to give time. God's not calling you to, to serve right now. Here's what God's calling you to give, your life. He's saying to you right now, believe in me and confess in me and trust in me that I am the Lord and that I live for you and I died for you and I rose again. Give me your life and I will give you eternity. Do you need to let go and allow God to do something so incredible? Do you need to believe for the very first time in this room? And maybe some of us in this room need to remember the moment that we did do that. And we need to trust that he can do something more. Because here's the deal, guys. God has a plan for you in your life to be part of this kingdom, to be a part of what he is doing in this world. But he needs your yes. He needs your dollar menu. I got a testimony and a testifier back there, right? That little babe's like, hey, come on. <laughs> come on, somebody. He's calling you out. Here's the deal. What is your dollar menu, and what do you need to lay down and offer today? I know it's hard. I know it's sacrificial. That's on purpose. Because when we are truly desperate enough to give, to sacrifice, to be a part of it, Man, you'll be ready to see what God can do, not what you can. And do you need that today? I'm going to pray over us, and we're going to head out of this place. But God's probably called something on your life. I don't know what it is. But today, in an act of obedience, in an act of faith, in an act of offering, give it. Whatever it is. Maybe it's salvation for you in this room. You just need to give your life. Maybe it's you need to volunteer. Maybe it's you need to go and say sorry to somebody and let go of your grudge and your anger. Maybe you need to be the first one to let go of your pride and say sorry, even though they're wrong and you're right. 
Maybe you're called to serve in this room. Maybe you're called to be a part of this next thing that we're doing. I don't know what it is. This isn't a a leverage moment. It's an obedience moment because I don't know what God's put on your heart. But as your pastor, I'm going to encourage you to come and offer it and let it go. Would you join me in praying? Father, we love you. We thank you for your word and your truth. We thank you for the feeding of 15,000 people. But the miracle is not just people had full bellies. The miracle is that people were saved and they were rescued. And a a kid and a person gave the little that they had. And because they said yes and they offered sacrificially, you were able to do so much more. And I can't wait to meet that person when we get to heaven and say, what was that day like when you saw five loaves and two fish feed 15,000 people? What was it like when you let go and saw God do something incredible? How did that change your life? God, give us the faith to let go of five loaves and two fish and trust that as we serve in your kingdom, we will be provided for. And we don't need to build something so grand that you can use. You only need dollar menu. So may we have trust and faith to believe and walk out. We don't need to build a kingdom that you can use. You're building a kingdom for us to be a part of. And so God, today, I pray for courage, I pray for strength, I pray for faith, I pray for the the moment that we can believe and trust. And if there's any person, I know that there's somebody in this room right now. And God, I don't know why you're bringing this to me, but you are. They need to give their life to you today. They've been building their own kingdom. They've been doing all of these things. They're wondering about all of this. And the thing that you're asking them to give is to believe in your son that he died for them and that he rose again and he overcame sin and death and their sin and their death so that when they confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart and what Jesus did for them, that they would be saved. God, please call them home. Give them the faith to believe today. Marriages need to be restored, God. Families need to be restored. Addictions need to be let go. Debt needs to be paid. Give us the faith today. We don't have much, but we offer it to you. God, we love you. We thank you for your word that frees us that redeems us, that sanctifies us. Thank you for loving us, Lord. God, we trust you today. We believe in you today. May we walk out of this place blessed beyond measure, not for what we are given, but what we have offered. God, we love you. We thank you. In Christ's name, everyone said.